0: Matthew six twenty five, um, just so, so you guys kind of know what's on my mind. Uh, we've officially been in Matthew for about a year now, and we're still only on the sixth chapter. Um, there's a lot, but what what I've been thinking and praying about over the last few weeks is putting a pin in it at some point. I just don't know when. Um, and going somewhere else for a few weeks, Uh, and then coming back to Matthew. I think that would be good for us um, for multiple reasons. Uh, So be in prayer with me about that. I don't want to abandon Matthew. I I want us to stay in it, but maybe just take a break. So pray with me about that over the next week or two. Um, and how the Lord would direct us in that. And maybe he says, keep going. Because it's really challenging because we we finish chapter 7, which is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and then the gears shift in the Gospels and things start happening. So we've been talking a lot about Jesus' teaching, but things start happening. And I almost don't want to abandon that, but at the same time, maybe it's good to just take a break. So... Please pray with me in that. So we're we're going to take a big chunk today, um, this morning and this evening. So if you can come back tonight, I, I I ask you that you you would. And if you can't, we will we'll try to record it. But don't let the technology be a reason to not come tonight. Uh so. I just want to jump right into it. Matthew 6, 25. What's the first word we see there? And before we do that, let me pray. I want to pray again. Our God, deal bountiful with us, your servants, that we might live and keep your word. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law. In the name of Jesus, amen. First word in our passage. Therefore. uh, It's an important word all throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament. There is a saying that I have stolen from Alistair Begg, which I think he stole from someone else. Uh, When he sees the word therefore, he asks himself, what is it there for? You get it? If there's a word, if you see the word therefore, ask yourself, what is it there for? Well, it's to point us back to what we just read. And so we could take this passage on, as it's titled in my Bible, do not be anxious and forget about what Jesus has said prior to this section. We can't do that. So, for the sake of not taking too long, I want to. Tell you just a quick summary, and I'm going to read it so I don't get sidetracked on what we're looking back to in order that we might look forward. If you have, if you happen to have a a a New American Standard Bible, it doesn't say therefore; it says it says for this reason. So we have to know the reason of why we want to do what Jesus is about, to tell us to do. So I'm just going to quickly read some things that I wrote down from set verses 19 through 24. Those three three things that Jesus teaches us about, we, we kind of looked at it as a gauge for the kingdom of heaven. Number one, do not lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. For where your heart is or for where your treasure is there your heart will be also number two if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light and might i remind you he says if it's in the darkness how great is the darkness number three no one can serve two masters but what did we learn you will serve one you can't serve two but you will serve one it's inevitable. And then he tells us, "You cannot serve God and money, but what do we buy with money? Stuff. So I think we can say, you cannot serve God and stuff as well." And then Jesus, in verse 25 says, "Therefore, therefore I tell you. Now, if you need more of an understanding of those three things, those sermons are online. Uh, on our website, if you use Spotify, they're on Spotify. Here's what I want to tell you before I move on. Technology is can be evil, okay? But we also have the opportunity to uh, redeem technology. And we can use it for the purposes of the kingdom of God. And so even if you're here every Sunday and you don't need to go and listen to the sermons... It's a good way, it's a good evangelistic tool. If you know somebody who's struggling, a Christian, and you're like, oh, I remember that one sermon, or man, that would be good, uh, that would be good encouragement for someone, your neighbor, send it to them, right? Uh, if you need to figure out how to help to do that, ask me and I can help you. Don't use it as a "Mm, someone should. I know someone. Pete should have really heard that sermon. He's in a lot of sin, and if that's your attitude, put your phone in your pocket. But if your attitude is to restore your neighbor or your brother, sister, mother, whatever, if it's for restoration in the name of Jesus, then by all means, use it. Anyway, based on these things that Jesus taught in nineteen through twenty-four, He gives a command. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. This is how we begin with a simple command. Do not be anxious. And what I want to do is I want to think about this idea of being anxious just in the simplest way. Okay. now, what was helpful for me was to look at many translations and seeing how that Greek phrase was translated into English. Here are four ways that it was translated. Listen carefully. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Don't worry. Take no thought. So those are four different but similar connected translations. The meaning of that Greek word for anxious, worried, or thought, however your Bible translates it, has a wide range of uses. It could be positive, actually, or that same word could be negative. As in the case of our passage, it's a negative. Anxiousness, worry. Um, Other places where it's seen negative is in Philippians 4, We might get to that this evening at Philippians 4. Paul says something similar to Jesus and says, Be anxious about nothing. Matthew 13, as Jesus teaches the parable of the sower, he says the cares of the world choke out the word that was sown. Cares, the cares of the world is the same word we're using for anxious or thoughts. The thoughts in your mind of the world, the cares of the world In your mind, the anxiety you receive from the world chokes out the word of God. But then there's the positive side of this word. It's really cool. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. The positive aspect of this word, 1 Corinthians 12, says members of the body care for one another. Care. That word care is the same word that we see for anxious or thought. In Matthew 6. So think about that. Uh, members of the body think on one another. Remember one another. Consider one another. Be worried about one another. Not in a negative sense, but in the sense that you care about them. And then the other positive way we can see it in the New Testament is when Philippian, or when Paul tells the Philippians that he's sending someone... And he says that he has a genuine concern or care for their welfare. So, where, where is that? Where is that coming from? Where's that care and concern? It's coming from within, right? The care and thought. It's coming from the mind. Jesus commands in Matthew twenty, Matthew six twenty five, "Do not be anxious." He's directing it towards how you think. He's directing it towards your cares, your thoughts, your concerns. He's addressing your mind. Okay? We all have minds. We all have thoughts. So this is inescapable for everyone. But what we'll also see is we all have had sin corrupt our minds and our thoughts. There's another another thing that we can think about when we look at this word anxiousness in the Greek. So a lot of Greek words, like most words in most languages, have like a parent word. Like it came from a, another word. Well, the, the word that this anxiousness came from, it paints this picture of a division or a separating. Like y'all are divided right now, right? Part of y'all are on this side, part of you are on this side. So the word that we get anxiousness from, come from, makes this picture of separation or division, which is very fitting if you think about the therefore. Don't lay up treasure on earth, but lay it up in heaven. You are either in darkness and blind or have sight and in light. You serve money or you serve God. There is a division in all of those things that Jesus teaches. And so your thoughts and your minds have one or another place to go. And he is saying you cannot have divided thoughts that distract you. Now... We don't want our thoughts to be divided. Jesus wants your mind focused on God. How many of you heard at school your teachers say, give me your undivided attention? Meaning, I don't want your mind wandering. I need you thinking, listening, focusing on what I am telling you. Jesus is saying in his command to not be anxious in living life. I need your undivided attention. Now, how does that work out? And that's in the specifics of this command. What are we not to be anxious about? What are we not to be worried about? Let's read the rest of 25 and let's see what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Stop. Do not be anxious about your life. Now, we can't get very far today because there's a problem that happens in this statement. Trouble begins when Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Because when he makes that statement, Jesus has done something that we human beings in our nature, we don't like. By making this command, Jesus declares to those who hear and ultimately all who have ever been that he is their rightful master. Right? We said the last time we were together that God, the triune God, is The rightful master of all, whether or not we serve him. And so what Jesus does is in this command, he says that he has the right to tell you how you ought to live. He has the right to tell you how you ought to think. Now, if someone came up to you and said, we need to have a talk. It's about your life. What's your first reaction? You have no right. Isn't that how we would probably react if someone came up to us with such a personal comment? Who are you? Who are you to tell me about my life? Well, if you said that to Jesus, He would remind you that you are created by Him, through Him, and for Him. If you were to say that to Jesus, he would remind you that you have your life, your breath, and everything because of him. Yes. And so he says, this is how you ought to live. Uh, here's another problem we run into. This is, this is not a fortune cookie, right? This isn't you open up the fortune cookie at the Chinese restaurant and hope to get a good word on how you ought to live. And, you know, maybe, maybe not. This isn't a suggestion. Um, And I I had this. This isn't a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus sitting in Indian style in a tie-dye t-shirt telling you that life will be better if you're not anxious. It's the Son of God, the Creator of all universe, commanding you not to be anxious. With power and authority. As the people who had heard this sermon at the end said, He teaches like He is the one with authority. Well, guess what? He is. He is. As our Creator and Master, He is giving us a clear command... And not only are we given a clear command not to be anxious, not to be anxious about our life, but there is an expectation and a demand that there is obedience to that command. Remember we talked about that. If you are a slave to a master, that's not, oh, I serve you from eight to five, and you know, if I don't like that command, I can put in a complaint. You serve your master in full obedience. So, but he tells us he says don't be anxious about your life So there's a lot there's a lot kind of dug into the Greek words in, in this section. So the Greek word because this it was written in Greek right So the Greek word of for life addresses the physical and the spiritual right the body and the soul and sometimes, Sometimes that the way the, the author intended was it, it, for it to address physical only. And sometimes it was to address uh, the spiritual. So it might not... There, you could have the same word and it say body, and then also the word somewhere else and it say soul. This word was interchangeable. So how do we know which one it's for? Uh, but it's obvious if you read the rest of 25... But it also gets a little tricky. It, 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 it's, it's obvious, but at the same time, it, it gets a little tricky. So verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. Okay, which life is he talking about? The physical or the, um, the spiritual, the temporal or the eternal? He says about your life, comma, what you will eat or what you will drink. That's, that's the physical body, right? Don't be anxious about your physical body, what you eat or what you drink. And while we're told not to worry about our life in the physical sense, he says thereafter, look what he says. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? What, what's, what is he telling us there? Well, something that I've already told you, but there are two ways to think about life. There are two ways to think about life. What are they? Well, he doesn't come right out and say it, but we can figure it out. Okay, so don't be anxious about your life, the physical, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Isn't there something more to life than that Jesus is saying? Look at verse 33. This is the key. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Ah, okay. He's showing you not to be anxious about the physical, but have your thoughts, your cares, and your concerns towards the spiritual. Do not be worried about your physical life and your needs that you have in order to keep you alive because there's more to life than the physical. Now, we get some pushback internally, right? Let's push back. Are you telling me, is Jesus telling me, I should not worry about death? Well, that depends. Who's your master? If you are a slave to Christ, a follower of Jesus, then yes, sir, yes, ma'am, you should not give one thought to death. Now think about that. I just said you should not give one thought to death. To give thought to death is to disobey the command that Jesus just gave us in, chapter, in verse 25. Verse 25. And if you've got the King James, it just says thought, right? Do not give thought about your life. Do not give. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Do not care. Do not have cares. So, yeah. If you are a slave to Christ, a follower of Jesus, you have no need to be anxious, worried, concerned, cared, or give a thought to death. So there's... I don't like to use sports illustration illustrations, even though I like sports. But I, I I can't get away from this. So in football, you have a quarterback who throws the ball. You have a wide receiver who catches the ball, right? Even if you don't play football, you got it. There's a person who throws it, and there's a person who catches it. We're gonna we're gonna focus on the person who catches it. So when he the quarterback throws the ball to the wide receiver, what? Does that wide receiver have to do in order to catch the ball? He's got to be focused on the ball, right? Keep if you play baseball, what do they tell you? Keep your, the Keep your eye on the ball. But in football, you might get your head knocked off if you're looking at the football. Right? because the ball's coming in and you're running a slant over the middle and the, 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 the other team, they want to knock you on the ground. The ball's coming at you and you, in order to catch it, you've got to keep your focus on the ball. You It has to have your undivided attention. But at the last moment, you fear. In the last moment, you give a thought to pain. And what do you do? You take your eyes off the ball And you look at it. And did your thought stop the pain? No. Not only did you not catch the ball, you still got hit. Your your thought process, your mind, your attention went from the goal to the potential pain, fear. Now, that... Death is coming. Christian, death is coming. Just like that linebacker is coming down the middle. Look at the ball. Keep your eyes in the heavens. Keep your focused on the heavenly things. Death is not going to blindside you. Because you know it's coming. So don't take your eyes off it. Do you see what Jesus is wanting? I I didn't want this sermon to be about, if you're anxious, you don't trust. Why don't you trust? It's because your attention isn't on God. Because your focus is on something else. Your Your focus is divided. And that causes you to worry. To be anxious, because when your focus is not on the Lord, you can't catch the ball. And that doesn't mean that... We have to understand this. Anxiousness is not uh, the unforgivable sin, right? So that's why that illustration falls apart. If you don't catch the ball, you don't catch the ball. But in this sense, if we're living our lives... And we take our eyes off God as a Christian, as, as someone who has the Spirit of God in us, and you take your eyes off of Christ, why, why would you want to? being anxious isn't going to keep you from eternal life as a true christian but being anxious takes your focus off the most glorious person ever it's adultery not idol not idolatry adultery husbands Where do you keep your eyes? On your bride. Why would you want to look at anyone else? Why would we want to look at anything but Christ? Why would we? And when our focus is off of Christ, it means our focus is on the things that rust, that moths eat, and that people break in and steal. And you know what that brings? Worry. Worry. brings worry. Now, the unbeliever, now I said, this went back to, are you telling me I should not worry about death? Unbeliever, yes, you ought to fear death. If you're serving and seeking this world, death is fearful. Look at Hebrews 2. And I don't want to stay here too long, but you cannot pass this up. Hebrews 2. if you're an unbeliever and you know what we might all walk out of here and say we're believers we might not but you know if your master is Jesus or not but I want you to see what the father of all lies how he holds you captive and then I want you to see what Christ can do What he has done. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. If you are not a slave to Christ, You are in fear and slavery to Satan and to death. Verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers, Jesus, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation. We talked about wrath at Sunday school, didn't we? That propitiation, that word that Jesus satisfied the wrath of God for the sins of the people and defeated sin and death. So, unbeliever, you who serve this world and are a slave to sin, Christ has defeated Satan. He has removed the stranglehold, the power of death that Satan binds you and and causes you to live in worry and fear. He has defeated it. Oh, death, where is your sting? It's gone. Trust in Christ. Trust in him. What What do I mean? I mean, trust him. That he died for your sins, not mine, not someone else's, but for your sins. Cause apart from your acknowledgement of Jesus' death from your sin for your sins, you will be slave to death and sin for all eternity. So flee to Christ. Flee to Christ, unbeliever. Alright, let me move on. Another pushback on Jesus command to not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, and what you will wear. We go back to Matthew 6. So, I don't have here here's the pushback we might give. So, I don't have to make sure to have my basic needs met. Should I not look out to make sure the cupboards full? We have shelter and we're warm with our clothing? Oh, I mean We have to understand what Jesus is saying. He's not saying don't think. It's not a sin to think about what you will eat. But if your attention is so captivated on the food that you will eat, the clothes that you will wear, and what you will drink, you are in sin. Don't be worried about it. Don't let your thoughts, the thoughts of your mind, be tirelessly on the necessities of life. If you believe that Jesus gives you victory over death, what does hunger mean to you? Nothing. Nothing. If He is our shelter, what is clothing? Why worry about those things? Why give thought to those things? Why continue to live in thought about those things? So... Okay, so you're saying just live nonchalantly? No, this is how you approach that. This is how you approach daily life and daily needs. Jesus tells us plainly first in verse 11 of chapter 6. Verse 11 of chapter 6. What does Jesus tell you to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. The grace of God is for today. Prayer. Prayer. Says, I trust you. I depend on you for the necessities of my physical life. Give us this day our daily bread. So, prayer that it's your dependency on knowing that God provides. Number two, he gives us in verse 26. Now, this might be, we we'll kind of have to pull this out a little bit, but verse 26. So we pray, but then how do we live? Verse 26. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. What do birds do when they're in the air? Fly. What were, what were birds designed by God to do when they're in the air? Fly. They're, they're being obedient to what they were made to do in order to glorify God. So, you want to know how you ought to live? Fly. Did God call you to be a mom? Be an obedient Christ-like mom. Did God call you to go and run a business? Go and run the business in a Christ-like manner. See, it's not, what do I do in order to get? It's, what do I do in order to give God glory? Because seek first the kingdom of God, right? Do what He has called you to do. Kids, little ones, bigger ones, look at me. In this stage of life, you are called to, to love your parents, to honor and respect them. That's how you fly right now. That's what you're called to do. And if you do that, God will add unto you all these things that he knows you need. Parents, same thing. So we pray and we live obedient lives to that which we are called to. And you're like, I don't know what I'm called to. What are you doing right now? Whatever it is, do it in a Christ-like way. You are where you are because that's where Christ put you. And I'm speaking to myself. Um, okay, so. But then there's, a, 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 there's another thing that we have to discuss. And then we're going to be finishing up. Jesus' command. For us not to be anxious, worried, give thought to our life. What we will eat, what we will drink, what we will put on our necessities for life. Like if, if we don't have those things, we will die. But here's the problem. Let me look around. I don't think anyone's going to walk away today concerned about their lunch. Now you might be concerned about what restaurant you go to. And that's kind of my point. We're so beyond. <laughs> we're so beyond in uh, like what Jesus is concerned about here. We're not caring about the food that we're going to eat or the clothes that we're going to put on or what we're going to drink. We all have those things. So what do we, we have what I like to call first world problems. We're a culture who is anxious not about our needs, but about our wants. So this is sin beyond what Jesus is even addressing. We, we're concerned about our cell phones, our satellite, our internet, our car payments, our overbloated mortgages, our second mortgages, our vacations, our hairdos, our sunglasses, are our teeth white enough. Do I need to get plastic surgery? Is every, am I keeping up with everything that everyone else is doing? The anxiousness of the world. And what is that? Laying up treasure on this earth. We look at the world. We are focused. We're focused. our, Our attention is on the world around us. We're laying it up thick on this earth because the world is saying, the world is so, it's so shiny. Do you realize that? Everything in this world says, look how pretty I am. And you're just like huh. and I am too. We all are. It's the world is saying, focus on me. And so we don't even we're not even concerned about what we need to live. We're just way beyond that. Turn to first Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. Start in verse 6. Now let's just all bow our heads. and let's just be, let's just ask the Lord to help us to be honest with ourselves and with Him. God, help us to be honest about ourselves. Right, verse 6. But godliness with contentment, contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Now let me just stop here. What good is our trash in heaven? When we stand before the most precious, valuable being that has ever existed... What good is this? the trash of this world in heaven? It is no good. Why would we want to take anything out of this world? Verse 8. Now notice the similar language that Jesus had used. But if we have food and clothing... Remember, that's what Jesus said don't be anxious about. But if we have food and clothing... With these we will be content. No, no, I'm not. I need the new I need the new iPhone, I need the fastest internet, I need the best car, I need the biggest house, I need to go on the best vacations, I need the prettiest hair, I need the nicest boots, I need the coolest sunglasses, I need the widest teeth. People think you're crazy if you're content with having food and clothing and nothing else? I think you're crazy. We would think we're crazy. So let's conclude. I don't mean to be negative for just the sake of being negative. but We have to understand that we're sinful people. And not just, like I said in Sunday school, it's not just what we do, it's who we are. And sinful sinful people are blinded to their own sin. So all of us, all of us, every single one of us in this room are disobeying this command of Jesus. I don't care who you are. And I don't care how less you have. If you're the poorest person in here, I'm going to tell you something. You're still anxious about the stuff of this world. So we need to, be pray-, we need to pray that we're not deceived by our sin. We need to pray that we're not deceived by this world and by the father of lies who tells us it's okay to be anxious. It's just who I am. Says the homosexual. That's just who I am. So we can't say... I'm just an anxious person because that's how I was made. For we have been raised with Christ. Our old selves have been put to death. Crucified. And we have been raised to walk in a newness of life. We as Christians believe in the change of a person. Because without the change of the person, there is no Christianity. Christianity. There is no follower of Christ. There is no hope. So let's pray that we are not deceived by the world that says it's okay to be anxious. And while you're anxious, here's a little bit more to be anxious about. We battle loose lips Lying, adultery, lust, hatred. We could all shout at those and curse those. But this is a battle that's kind of hidden. Right? This is a sin that no one else might know. So let's not take this lightly. But let's take it to the Lord in prayer. This is one of the largest sections in the Sermon on the Mount. If not the largest section. Jesus gives more words to this, I think, than any other topic in the Sermon on the Mount. And I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that's by accident. I know that's not by accident. This is important to our Master Jesus. Why? This is what we have to understand. Because anxiousness about the world, the physical, takes your eyes off Christ you are divided. You are not focused. And when you are not focused and you are divided, there you lack faith. Now, just as a way of getting us to tonight, the quick I just want to quickly mention our remedy that Jesus will give us or that he kind of gives us but also expand on the all the new testament to help us with this here's the remedy repent renew and refocus repent in the new testament means a change of mind what is jesus addressing your thoughts how do we how do we fix our thoughts by the renewal of our mind and when when we have repented we are renewing our mind we can refocus And then we get to that great verse in this chapter Seek first, seek first the kingdom of God. That might be the most profound verse in all of Scripture. I don't, maybe it's just because of the impact it's had on me. Seek first, not second, not third. Seek first. Before Seek it before the love with your spouse. Seek the kingdom of God before the love of your children. Seek the kingdom of God before whatever money you need. Seek the kingdom of God before you go and find a job. Seek the kingdom of God first. And all these things will be added to you. Oh, let's pray. God, may you divinely work in our lives to help us put to death what is earthly in us and to put on the righteousness that we have been called to, that we might be presented holy and blameless before you. And may Christ receive all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.